You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Matt Dunn on the show with me. He has a fantastic new book. It's called Pug, actually, and what a great uh, what a great addition to your to be read pile uh, for this summer. Absolutely. This if if you love lighthearted, uh, you know, stories with with great protagonist and uh, a, a surprise protagonist uh, that you're going to find out in this book, um, it, you know, just a, a great escape. This is the book for you. This is a must have this summer. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hank, thank you very much, and thank you for such a glowing introduction. I hope the uh, I hope the book and the protagonist can live up to that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was a bit of a departure for me, but it was a fun one to write. And uh, uh, yes, I hope that readers do enjoy it, despite its uh, difference. Yeah, I, I think they really will. Um, but before we get to talking about all that, uh, Matt, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is. What is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Ah, that's a, that's a, an interesting one from my point of view, because uh, it was actually back at school. I was about 12 years old. And uh, every week what happened was we had our big school assembly and somebody was tasked and by tasks, tasked, I mean, picked on by one of the teachers to go ahead and write a report about the previous week's uh, game of football or hockey or rugby, whatever it had been. Now, typically what happened was with 12 year old boys, these were kind of very dull affairs where, you know, they'd stand up there and they'd say, uh, OK, well, they scored, then we scored. Then they scored again and we lost. And it was that kind of thing. And you had to stand up and read the whole thing in front of assembly. And I thought to myself when it came to my turn to do this, I thought, you know, I'll put a couple of jokes in. And so I did. And I stood up in front of the whole school and I read this thing out and I got a laugh. And I remember that precise moment thinking, hey, this isn't a bad thing to do, you know, to write things that make people laugh. And, uh, you know, words that you put down on paper can hopefully entertain other people. And uh, and, and that was really it. And it was uh, that was the, the kind of the motivator for me to, to go to go ahead and do that. Uh, it took about another 18 years before I would actually sit down and, and do that for real. Um, but I, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the feeling that gave me. And it, it's something that I try and reproduce uh, every time I sit down and put uh, fingers to keyboard. Boy, chasing that uh, the high that you get from making someone laugh. Uh there have been lifetimes spent on on chasing that feeling again that that's such uh, such an indelible moment that you can absolutely put your finger on when you first discover you can do that i guess it's a bit strange as well because as a writer you you rarely hear people laugh uh, at what you've done you know because most of the uh, most of the time the book is read when you're not there 
Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm with a lot of writer friends of mine. I'm, I've never actually seen anybody reading one of my books in public or, uh, uh, you know, managed to, to come across that. I guess it's it's harder now to spot because so many people are reading on devices like Kindles. But um, yeah, it's uh, you obviously get feedback and you get reviews and uh, uh, people telling you, you know, how much they've enjoyed it, which is fantastic. But uh, and do the odd uh, the odd reading at a book uh, book event, of course, when you actually get that. But uh, no, it's just it's something that I, you know, I. I I, I aim for and I hope I achieve and you know as, a, as a, I define myself as a comedy novelist and uh, hopefully I don't let readers down. So Matt you said that it took you um, 18 years I think you said to uh, to realize that dream. Um, it, I find it interesting that in the pursuit of the um, artistic expression and, and finding a way to make a living at it. Um, you know, a lot of us get sidetracked by you know, starting families and having to work jobs and pay bills and all of that sort of thing. Um, what what career did you pursue before writing? It, it was exactly that. It was uh, a case of, um, you know, having to go out and, uh, and earn a living. And, and, you know, you get caught up with that and you enjoy that. And, I, and I've loved the jobs I've done. I did. A, I was a, a, an athlete as a kid, so I did a, a sports science degree at university, and then that kind of took me into the health and fitness sphere. Um, so I worked for you know a number of years in uh, health clubs, leisure centres, gyms, that kind of thing, um, and really enjoyed it. And you know, little did I know that I was gathering material all the way through. Uh, right. as I, um, and then through a, a couple of other uh, you know twists and turns career-wise, I found myself at uh, age. 30, um, having a bit of spare time. And it was ironic because, I, like I said, I, I'd known that I could write, uh, that I wanted to write. And I'd always known that I could I could turn a sentence, you know, I, I, I knew that I had a way with putting words together that made sense. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to write, Hank. It was, a, it was a bit, you know, strange for me thinking, yes, I can do this and I can write a press release for work or I can, um, you know, write an advertising slogan and that worked well. But I didn't really know, you know, what literature uh, a kind of literature would work for me until I was on a skiing holiday one day and a friend gave me this book and he said oh you must read this uh, you know I think you'll love that and it was High Fidelity by Nick Hornby oh, yeah. and it, it was an epiphany for me I read it and I just thought wow this this is the kind of book I want to write you know this is this is it's in the, the space I like reading about it's so funny it's so beautifully written it's about people I know um and you know I've, I've been trying to do that ever since basically 14 books later and each time I sit down and write a new novel I make sure I, I read through high fidelity at least once because for me it just uh, represents the you know the pinnacle of excellence in uh, in what it is I do and uh, yeah it was very much that moment that then made me think, OK, I'm going to start thinking about my life and the people around me and what's going on and um, try and put it into words. And, and when I found myself with a bit of time, uh, which was when, funnily enough, when 9-11 happened, um, I worked as a, as a headhunter in the IT industry, uh, helping to bring dot-com companies over from the US to the UK, would you believe? And when 9-11 happened, they stopped coming for a while, which meant that uh, I had my own business. It meant that that, you know, kind of dried up and I, I you know, had some uh, some time and uh, I just thought, OK, well, it's, it's kind of now or never for me. And uh, my girlfriend at the time had said to me, well, I know you've always wanted to do this. You go, well, you write a chapter or two of this book you tell me you've got an idea for. Uh, give it to me to read. If uh, I think it's any good, then we can do it. <laughs> so I... <laughs> 
dependent dependent on the uh, the permission of this uh, this lovely lady who's now fortunately my wife and um, I wrote it she read it she said yep yeah, give it a go and uh, and that was the start for me isn't it curious uh Matt that uh, writing is one of the very few um, pursuits that I know of that um that, that I've had conversations with people and they they tell stories similar to yours that you knew you were a writer you knew you were a storyteller even when you hadn't read you hadn't written anything yet and and you just needed to understand where you fit in what what the vein of the types of stories that you would tell for that to come to fruition but but before you discovered high fidelity um the thing was still in you you just didn't know what what form it would take yet um that that's something very interesting about writing um that i find that it's it's not necessarily bound up in the thing that you write for you to be a storyteller if, if that makes sense at all no, absolutely and you know i hear so many writers say to me that they you know they wrote they kept diaries they uh, you know were always writing you know they have six or seven novels in their uh, in their you know drawers before they'd uh, you know reached the age of 18 that wasn't me i i just i just i didn't do that i didn't have that you know i wasn't very much that what was the the kevin costner film uh, film field of dreams is it where he says if you build it they will come right. you know i, I I didn't believe in that. I didn't know I had anything to build and that anybody would come anyway. So for me, it was very much a case of, no, I, I found something that inspired me, that made me think, yes, there might be a market for the kind of thing that I I had a potential idea for. And it was, uh, and that was the catalyst. And um, I've never yet uh, met Nick to thank him in person, but uh, if he's listening <laughs> in, Nick, thank you very much. It's your fault, my career. I love that. Um, that that first book that you began writing that that built your confidence. Uh, did that book get published? It it did. Um, I went through the. Um, I, I have to admit a, a, a horrible story. I was, um, as I said, I had some time off from work, and uh, again, like you know, lots of friends of mine when they wrote their first novel, they were sitting upstairs in a in a drafty garret with fingerless gloves, you know, not affording <laughs> how they typed away. I, I had a friend who basically said, "Oh, I've got this villa in the south of Spain. If you want to go and spend a few months there over Christmas, you know, you can uh, you can go and do it and write your book there." So I, I basically, you know, wrote the book in 30 degree heat in uh, in a villa in Malaga, uh, taking a dip in the pool when the uh, when the work got a bit too much for me um it's it you know sent it off to agents as you uh, you know as everybody does got rejection after rejection um but the interesting thing was that every fourth or fifth rejection and i think i had 31 in total every fourth or fifth would be a a little snippet of information or a little hint um you know about you get some that say, oh, yeah, I love the plot, but the characters didn't work. And then you get another one that says, oh, I love the characters, but the plot didn't work. So you have to kind of sift through all of that. Sure. But there was one of them I remember said to me, read the best sellers in your genre and see how they achieve their page turning quality. And I basically went away, did that and then you know, rewrote the book um, with that in mind. And then uh, agent number 32 said, yes, I like it. I think I can I can sell it. Uh, I'll take you on. So, yeah, I, I managed to sell that first book. I got a very nice uh, two book deal with Simon and Schuster in the UK. Um, and uh, that was the start for me. 
Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPens is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process, the concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and three acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Write. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000 word book, it's about two cards per chapter roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let PlotPens help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off PlotPens. PlotPens.com Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Matt, I, I've talked to uh, you know a, a lot of authors, and a lot of them will have um, a desk drawer or a trunk or whatever that has um, one or two or three or thirteen in in the case of Brandon Sanderson of novels that they had written before they were published, and then uh, a, a few folks that I've met have that first novel that they wrote. And they keep working on that novel until it becomes publishable. Um, that great advice that you got from the, the agent, you know, find out what it is uh, in your genre that makes 
these books, uh, you know, unputdownable and and do that to yours. Um, you you took the story and you kept working on it until it became what what you needed it to be. Um, what what quality do you think it is that um, that allowed you to keep working on this this one book, the debut book? Uh, and keep working that story until it became what it needed to be, as opposed to other people who might, when that first book's not successful, just completely scrap it, move on to the next idea until, you know, they happen uh, to to get the right formula. Um, what what was it that, that kept you working on that book? I, I, think, my, I think my short answer is sheer bloody mindedness. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I'd gone to the extent of writing 80 something thousand words and I didn't want to have to write another 80,000 words from scratch. Sure. Um, but also I, I just think that the interesting thing was I'd, I'd read obviously High Fidelity, which I thought was, you know, was way up there and there's no way I could achieve that, you know, certainly with the, you know, with the first novel. But I'd also read others in that same space. Uh, I'm obviously not going to name them, but I thought, well, I kind of think I, I can do that or do a little bit better than that. And if they got published, um, I got, I, I, you know, I can get published. So maybe it was pure, it, it was a combination of sheer bloody mindedness and naivety, you know, that I just thought, yeah, if I, if I just apply what I've, uh, what I'm learning, to what I have here, then it it has the it has the shape of a of a novel, and it looks like a novel, and it sounds like a novel. And again, you know, you give it to your friends to read, and your family to read, and tell them to be honest. And um, uh, you know, if if they say yes, you've got something there, then it really helps. I think. Uh, obviously, the ones that turn around and tell you, you know, no, I think it's rubbish. Don't give up your day job. You know, by that time, I'd already given up my day job, so it was a little bit late. But um, but yeah, I just think I just think if you and, and everybody always says, you know, the more you read, the better a writer you are. But I think also the more you read, the more savvy you are of potentially the, you know, the the space you're writing in. And they obviously say you should never write for a market, but it just so happened, I think, that my style and my storytelling and my voice um, fit this particular niche that had, you know, vacancies at the time or had space for, you know, new writers at the time. And again, I think it also helped that I was a man writing uh, romantic comedy. And in the UK, there weren't that many of us uh, doing that. There were a lot of women being very successful. But I think, you know, publishers thought, OK, maybe there's more of a niche. We can market this because it's a man saying these things. And it's a slightly different point of view. It's the male point of view as opposed to maybe the female one. So so I think I think that all combined, you know, there's obviously a lot of luck involved, too. But I think it was a combination of all those things and, you know, not giving up. And that's basically what every single writer I know who's published uh, tells me it's tenacity. It's not giving up. It's one of the most important things. Matt, if someone um, is just discovering you as a writer, how would you describe um, the the types of books that you write? Uh, I'm a romantic comedy novelist. So I write uh, rom-coms uh, generally told from the male point of view. Um, I do have uh, female characters. Occasionally I try and write as female characters. Um, uh, I hope I get that right. But uh, yeah, it's basically I, I started off, you know, thinking, OK, there are probably six things that I can write about, uh, you know, as a as a as a male author, give my point of view. on, And it's, you know, friendship and relationships and marriage and, uh, you know, having a uh, having a family and uh, 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 
infidelity and and there's a sixth one I can't even remember what my sixth book was now but you know th those kind of things and then when you when I got to book six I thought ah now I can sort of start looking at other aspects and other bits and pieces and, and the fun for me was always that it was being able to perhaps you know write in a genre that has been well trodden but um, tread it with a different pair of shoes on so yeah if you like rom-coms if you're interested in the male point of view um, that's me why do you think it is so rare? Uh, it's not so rare anymore, but uh, there was a time that a male perspective in a romantic comedy uh, was almost unheard of. Um, and and why do you, if you can answer that, I mean, maybe that's an unanswerable question, but um, and, and what do you feel like that you bring to the genre um, that that makes it a better genre? When What is it about the male perspective um, that maybe opens up the genre to to more readers and and to to be better, uh, you know, the the more voices we have. Sure, um, a, a difficult question to answer, but I I would imagine it's just that it's just the male point of view. It's just a different way of looking at things. It's just you know my experiences and uh, uh, you know like I said, I've I've written multiple viewpoint novels, Hank, where I have you know the the first chapter is by the guy, the second chapter is by the girl, and and so on and so forth. And, you know, as I write them, I'm, I'm aware of just the differences in perception and the differences in, um, you know, act and execution and all these kind of things that, that the sexes have. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's literally just a case of that. I, I see things my way. I happen to be male. Maybe that's something that people might want to read about because it's not as common uh, in the in the market. But I, I I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's my sense of humour. Maybe it's my poor joke. I don't know. How to answer? I, I, but I'm but I'm glad it works. That's all I can say. Your new book, Pug, actually. Um, how many books does this make for you now? This is number fourteen. Number fourteen. So, that what an amazing uh, accomplishment. Um, that is, is this the first book that has had an interesting protagonist? Um, shall we say? <laughs> are we not giving? If we're not giving the game away, I won't give the game. Away. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the most interesting protagonist I've written, and it, let me tell you, I, I wrote a book called um, A Day at the Office uh, about seven books ago, which was uh, did very well via uh, via Amazon. And it was a multi-protagonist, uh, uh, male, female, six different protagonists told over the course of one day where all the stories had to link up and meet at the end. And that was easier to write than this one because the voice in this one was so unique that, uh, that I, uh, I had to stretch stretch deep and dig deep for, for this particular one but um it was great it was great fun uh, i mean can we can we tell your listeners what the deal is or a absolutely we... I, I was just being coy but uh, i think it's uh, i don't okay. think we'll give too much away by giving that i mean fundamentally pug actually is told uh, from the perspective of doug the pug who is a rescue pug who um <laughs> is one of the best characters ever by the way Thank you. Yeah, who uh, who sees his uh, his owner Julie in a uh, in a nightmare relationship with her married boss, and uh, decides that being a rescue works both ways. So he will intervene and uh, find her a boyfriend uh, who is more suitable, whilst splitting her up from uh, the destructive relationship that she's in. So yes, it's told from the point of view of a a pug dog, which um, I hope I get right. The voice I hope I get right. Anyway. 
what what made you decide to to take this uh this tack with the book um you know we've we've seen relationship books like this from the male perspective from the female female perspective from a third party human perspective um what what was the initial idea that said you know what i'm going to tell this from a pug's perspective you know there's a bit of a backstory to this when when i was growing up we had a family dog called Patch, who was a, a, a mongrel mix of about 57 uh, different varieties. And uh, he used to have this unique talent whereby whenever my sister used to bring a new boyfriend home, if he didn't like them, he'd find his way and sit underneath their legs as they were kind of sitting stretched out on the sofa and growl up at them softly just to show his disapproval. And uh, more often than not, Patch turned out to be a much better judge of character than my sister did when it came to these guys. And, uh, you know, I looked at this and I thought, that's very interesting. It's, um, you know, you can tell a lot about somebody about how they treat animals. And I think, therefore, the reverse is true. You know, animals can sure. uh, you know, tell a lot about a person. And I was, my, my father died, sadly, a few years back. And my mum has just gone into a, a residential home. So I was back in the family home last year clearing it out and uh, sorting out some bits and pieces and I came across all these photos of you know the family we do a family portrait every year with the, you know the dog sitting in the, in, in the front and I remembered these stories about uh, about Patch and the kind of things he used to do and I thought hey that's interesting you know and you have all these ideas about dogs you know uh, being colorblind which means they'll see these things in black and white and uh, all these things were kind of formulating somehow and I thought that would be really interesting to have a, a, a uh, you know a relationship comedy told but from the dog's point of view because you know the dog goes everywhere with the owner the dog sees every aspect the dog sees a lot of things that the the owner won't see and it kind of just grew into 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 this character who was the you know all-seeing eye or all-seeing eyes albeit from about 18 inches off the ground and uh, <laughs> I just thought, you know, I thought I could have some fun with it and, and I think as a writer as well when you when you've written a few novels you then you look to have fun with the ones you're writing and a good way of doing that is introducing some variety in in how you write them as i said in, in previous books i've had you know i've set myself the task to you know, make them all work out on the same day or have multi protagonists and this kind of thing and i thought I, I thought i can have some fun here writing this and i and i genuinely believe that if you as a writer have fun writing the book then your readers are going to have fun reading it and, you know, as I said, I very much hope that's the case here because because Doug was great fun to write. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, Matt, as someone who's written quite a bit about human relationships, um, did did writing a book from Doug's perspective uh, give you new insight or allow you to tell, um, you know, time tested um stories uh, you know we we tell stories about human relationships and we kind of tell the same story over and over and, and find new ways of doing it um that's what writers always do um but did did taking a new perspective like Doug's perspective did that open you up in ways that maybe you you didn't predict that that is a very good question and I, and I think the answer is yes um you know the the a lot of my books I write from the first person. Um, and so obviously a lot of the uh, the opinions in them, one would argue, are potentially mine. And, uh, you know, under, uh, uh, you know, I remember again listening to uh, Vary McFarlane's podcast with you the other day, and she said, you know, one of her characters was a, was a thinly veiled version of her. And I think that's very true. I think for many novelists, a lot of their characters are thinly veiled versions of them. 
uh, with Doug, I, I wasn't able to do that, uh, you know, so I was I was able to have great fun with him and, and, you know, allow him to be a bit more outrageous and the kind of things that he says and does and get involved with were, yeah, different. And, and it did make me sit back and think a little bit about, you know, the, why people put up with what they put up with in relationships and, uh, you know, what, what might make sense to you if you're in the middle of what could be a destructive relationship or, uh, you know, a certain situation to a completely impartial advisor, uh, sorry, uh, observer, it wouldn't make any sense at all. And, and, you know, Doug has no problems in calling out, you know, these issues and, uh, and trying to identify them and trying to make sense of them. And yes, so in doing that, it was actually quite refreshing and interesting for me to think, yeah, I haven't thought about that in that way. Or, or yes, that's an interesting viewpoint. And uh, it'll be interesting to find out what, you know, what readers actually think about that, whether I've whether I've got it or uh, whether it's completely bonkers. You know, well, <laughs> it remains to be seen. One thing I love about it, Matt, is that, um, you know, when the more you write about relationships, you you start to look for new ways to describe nuance um to uh, to to give people the feelings um you know it in varying levels um what's interesting about a, a character like doug is doug lacks all nuance um things are very black and white uh, to him and, and i don't and it mean to make a pun about his his vision um but it's you don't have any nuance there um and and he is uh he is of a sing a singular determination and that makes a a, a fantastically funny story thank you very much it's, it's probably rare that i can say thank you very much for saying that i've created a character without any nuance <laughs> <laughs> but I, I absolutely appreciate that and yeah and that was it's it's fun you know it's it's always more fun to write the more extreme characters yeah and uh, Doug is an extreme character, and, and uh, that's why I had a blast with So after writing this novel, um, do you think that you'll write um, other animal stories in the future, or did this do what you needed for your creative life? Funnily enough, um, <laughs> I've spent the, uh, spent the day plotting out uh, potentially uh, Pug Actually 2. Uh, which will be in a slightly different setting and uh, we'll see I, I'm just kicking around ideas at the moment but uh, um, I think the good thing Hank about writing in the genre that I write in is that you are never short of material you know because the older right. you get um, the situations you go through the situations uh, you know your friends and your family go through is always throwing up you know ideas or, uh, or or scenarios that you think yeah I can have some fun with that or I can I can run with that or I can examine that to a, to a certain level and again, I think also that as a writer, I certainly need variety. You know, I like to write a different book after the book I've just written. Otherwise, you know, we as writers, as you know, you spend an, a, a year, if not more, locked in a small room with these characters in this, you know, in this space and with them in your head. And I think I might go mad if I had to just, you know, repeat the same thing again and again and again. So uh, I've, I've actually just finished and just submitted to my agent what is book, hopefully book number 15, which is completely different to this. Um, but the interesting thing is, having spent a bit of time plotting out today, I'm, I'm very excited to get back to Doug because I think he's, uh, I think he certainly has a lot more mileage as a character. And I'd be interesting to see where he'll, uh, you know, where, where his pulling on the leash takes me, actually. I think that's fantastic. Um, Matt, uh, one thing I like to ask authors uh, that have um, 
uh, you know, have amassed a, a great back catalog is it over over the course of writing 14 books, has your creative process changed? Um, have you figured out things that work better for you? Um, you know, d- does it, does the process become more streamlined uh, as you get, get deeper into your career? I would love to say yes. Thank I would love to say <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, do you know, I've, 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 I've worked this, differently on many different books you know I know I know there's the all the big question about are you a plotter or a pantser you know I've tried both approaches I wouldn't necessarily say either one works better or worse um I've probably had one book out of the 15 that I've now written that you know has flown relatively easily um I th- it's it's the best job in the world but sometimes it can be a very hard job to get right and I think the the pressure that you, from my point of view, the more that I write, the more novels that I write, the pressure that I feel for each one, where I think I've come up with a good idea and I don't feel I've delivered on it, you know, to its potential, is the is the bad thing about it. I love the process. I absolutely adore the fact that I get to sit down every day and make up stories for a living. Um, I love editing. I I think I'm in the rarity where for me, you know, the first draft is like pulling teeth. But once I've got that 70 or so thousand words down, I adore going back to it and shaping it and cutting and adding. And And I love the way that if I'm being a bit more fluid in terms of a lack of frothing, then um, you know that that surprises me as much as hopefully it surprises the reader, and I and I really enjoy seeing what that throws up. Um, as to whether I'm better at it, 15 books down the line, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to tell you. If I'd have had the editors, they might have been able to answer that. But uh, uh, but no, it's 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 still good fun. It's still hard work. It's still the best job in the world. Um, uh, I I just hope I I you know I'm still aiming for that uh, high fidelity level of book one day, and maybe maybe it'll come. Well, the joy that it, you experience in writing uh, absolutely translates to the page, and what a joy um, it, it is to read. Pug actually is available everywhere now. When you're hearing this, uh, you can grab it in, in physical form if you want to turn the paper pages or Kindle edition if if you prefer to read on your Kindle. Um, Matt, is this going to be an audiobook as well? I believe so. Yes, I think uh, I think that should be available on the 29th too. So yeah, you can you can have Doug serenade you as much as you'd like. <laughs> Fantastic, Pug actually available everywhere now. Go grab it, Matt. This has been so much fun chatting. Thank you for taking time to come on the show. Thank, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.